Scarlettos, we are back for our next companion episode. 3801 Lancaster, an American tragedy. A doc, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Uh, uh, we're having fun already. Uh, it's a good thing because we're having fun about a topic that we absolutely hate. Uh, it's a, yeah, we are not no, looking forward it's a, to this. Uh, We're having some technical difficulties getting started. 3801 Lancaster is a documentary on Amazon Prime. We start all of these episodes telling you guys to go out there, to watch these, to check these out, make your own opinion. I'm going to say for starters, don't do it. Do not watch this. I You warned me about it, Sonia. I said, no, no, I think we should do it. I want I want to see it for myself because I think it would make for a good topic. Oh, it's it's so bad. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'll say, because uh, I agree. I have been, um, I, I, I know that we should do this. We should cover this episode or this, uh, we should cover this uh-huh. content. And I know that we should do, um, for a lot of reasons it's compelling it's horrifying in my opinion and um i think it's important at the very least to shine some light on a much needed um area um when it comes to some governmental policies around inspections um around abortion clinics so this is a tough one uh, it's it's very tough. Yeah. So I'm I will I want to say for myself at least, um, anything that I talk about, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my best to stay completely apolitical. Um, I am going to give my opinions on what I saw in the movie, and only what I saw on screen, not my beliefs about uh, the topic. It is about abortion. Of course, that is an extremely hot-button political conversation that we could talk about for hours and days on end. I don't really want to have that conversation, uh, but we've gotten away from this because we've done a pretty good job of reserving ourselves. But I'm going to put this out there right now. We're going to talk about some really heavy stuff. Uh, This is not going to be appropriate for uh, sensitive ears kids or adults potentially uh, it, it, this was a very tough watch and it's gonna be a tough conversation for us to have yeah it's uh you know I like you Brittany I'm the same I'm gonna say that I am not gonna talk about uh, my beliefs at all I because honestly they don't I matter. agree we're talking about the law we're talking about um 
obvious, you know, sanitization situations and just requirements of conducting yourself in a professional and um, a clean manner in um, a medical facility, let's say. So I'm not going to interject my opinions at all about, um, you know, my thoughts on abortion. It's irrelevant because what we'll talk about are the facts and um, the facts are known. There's not, this isn't subject to, you know, any kind of, um, you know, interpretation. There are pictures, this documentary covers it pretty well. There are people involved in the, who are in the documentary who talk about their, um, the way that, um, this doctor conducted himself and there's a lot of information. So let's just jump right in. As we said, we're talking about, uh, 3801 Lancaster, an American tragedy. It's on Amer- Amazon prime. Uh, it was originally produced in 2016 it is about the crimes of abortion doctor Kermit Gosnell. Uh, Kermit Gosnell was born Kermit Barrett Gosnell. He was born in 1941. He's an American physician. Um, he was an abortion provider who was convicted of murdering three infants who were born alive during attempted abortion procedures. He was also convicted of involuntary manslaughter uh, because apparently someone died under his care mm-hmm. when they received uh, as it from an overdose of um, an, an anesthetic. So that's the gist of it. Uh, what un, what we unpack along the way as we talk about this, because at face value, you might say, well, depending upon if you believe abortion or not, maybe he didn't murder these infants. No, rest assured, he absolutely yes. um, did not conduct himself in, in the manner that the law saw fit. Simple. Um, and abortion was, you know, I mean, is legal um, to an extent. And that extent, you know, varies depending upon the state you're in. Uh, in Pennsylvania, it appears that there were some laws that allowed abortion up to a certain point, which is the way it is with right. most. So you've got your early term abortions, which are considered something very different, and late term, which would be uh, mid and late, which would be like second trimester and third trimester. So this is when the fetus is, um, you know, everyone would agree that it can it can act in a certain way when it has pain it can do certain things i think all of that that is docu- well documented so therein lies the issue you know with with this doctor he was willing to do things for women that other doctors weren't willing to do certainly as an abortion doctor you take certain risk and um depending upon when the fetuses are aborted um those risks go up um you know it's just something that um less and less doctors do depending upon those risks and also um some would consider the morality behind the act i believe in pennsylvania uh at least while the time the dr gosnell was practicing and, and possibly currently also abortion is legal up until the 22nd week of gestation uh and many physicians will probably tell you that um a, a fetus that uh is in the womb for 24 weeks can have a viable chance of survival on the outside with significant medical intervention. Uh, so 22 weeks, not that much before that, but Dr. Gosnell was uh, operating uh, up through 22 and in many cases beyond that 22-week mark uh, past the level of possible viability, uh, which is what we'll get into in some of the horrendous things that he did to uh essentially 
carry out these abortions beyond what could be the legal limit. Yep. So Dr. Gosnell owned a and operated a woman's medical society clinic in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, he had um, a lot of crimes, you know, essentially um, he was charged with multiple crimes, eight counts of murder, 24 counts of um, 24 felony counts of performing illegal abortions beyond the state uh, Pennsylvania's 24-week time limit and 227 misdemeanor counts of violating the 24-hour mm-hmm. informed consent law. He also apparently was a prolific um, oxycotton uh, um, prescriber. Yes, that's correct. Sounds like they got in the prescription drug business um, somehow along the way and started performing or prescribing drugs at a at a level that it should have not have been required for an abortion clinic. We'll just say. Uh, yeah, and you know, I was a little uncle- unclear about that because based on the procedures that these women were going through, I can completely understand the need for oxycontin uh but yeah i agree it was it was enough that it raised the attention of uh the dea and ultimately that's what led to him being found out yeah well that's what's interesting about it and we'll get into that in a little bit but you know to think that the only reason they caught dr gosnell was because of these drug issues and not because of the conditions of his clinic and the things that he was doing to these women and these babies um is is actually shocking they wouldn't have ever found out if he wouldn't have been doing the the side the side hustle with the drugs honestly so this documentary i think it focuses on about like three patients uh, of dr gosnell that uh went to him for a relatively late-term abortion and their experiences with him, none of which had anything positive to say. Uh, it's um, it's very tragic to watch. It's a very difficult watch. Uh, what you'll find out is that these women were largely lied to and coerced in many ways once they were under the care of Dr. Gosnell. And the care that they received was, for lack of a better term, absolutely abhorrent. It was disgusting. The way in which he practiced medicine is inconceivable and unacceptable in any manner. So Dr. Gosnell, of course, was a medical doctor. Um, he... Uh, seemed, you know, at the beginning of his career to, career to be very concerned about women's welfare. He was very focused um, on, you know, practicing medicine among the poor. And he opened a halfway house, in, which was essentially a rehab clinic for drug addicts. And um, he also created a teen aid program. So at face value, it appeared that Dr. Gosnell was trying to do something good for the community. And, um, you know, he may have been doing that for a, a time, it appears. In the, I'm not sure where where things fell off the rails, I though. I agree. And throughout the documentary, he talks about how he doesn't feel that he did anything wrong. And he even speaks about the reason he got into medicine is because he wanted to help the underprivileged. He wanted to help the minority communities and the underserved, which is... At face value, a very noble thing to do. And the reason why a lot of people do get into medicine, because they do feel that strong urge to help and serve communities that are largely forgotten about. So 
it sounds like he started with his heart in the right place. And if you ask him, it ended that way too. But most people would disagree with that. Well, let me just say about I I do suggest folks that you guys watch this this documentary, the thirty eight hundred one Lancaster American Tragedy, um, because I I think it's an int- what you just said, Brittany is is my biggest problem with Dr. Gosnell is that what he says does not match with Agreed. his actions. He comes across in his, you know, audio recordings as this person who can speak eloquently. He can explain himself to the point where you almost start believing what he's saying. If you, and out of context, sure, probably make, I mean, it makes sense what he's saying, but his actions don't, support what he's talking about you know he, i mean he's trying he's ultimately trying to say that he was helping save these mm-hmm. poor women from themselves and these children from you know their demise yes, in life exactly. by taking their life um and and hey you know again abortion aside there's a limit at which you can start you can do that i mean the things that he the inhumane you know actions of dr gosnell but it's so his his audio his audio comes across as a bit arrogant, as with some doctors uh, will say, and um, you know, superior. Really, I mean, he talks about it like he's doing people a favor. And if he was selling all of those drugs on the side, you know, with all the prescription drugs, and if he did um, these things that we'll talk about, how in the world could he sit there, you know, on some soapbox to talk about he's saving, you know, the world and helping these babies? It just doesn't make sense to me. But he had his argument in the audio was really compelling because I'm I, it screwed me up. I agree. I'm like what I'm watching, what I'm watching here and what I'm hearing him say, I don't know how those two things They don't connect. reconcile with each other. I agree. But so let's nope. let's let's talk about the the things that he did. Let's you know let's stop burying the lead and let's really get to the horrific crimes and circumstances that he put his patients through. Uh and, and there's a lot that's covered and um, it's actually only an hour long documentary and I think we could probably talk about it for a lot longer than that. Uh, that's how detailed this is. But, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of just want to get into it unless you have any. Yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, no, no, let's go. Let's, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's just make our way through it. So Dr. Gosnell is uh, originally found out, uh, as we mentioned before, by um, a, essentially a DEA investigation into his selling of OxyContin. And what they uncover when, they, uh, when federal agents go to arrest him and investigate is a uh, deplorable disgusting uh unsanitary medical clinic abortion clinic let's be honest it, it, it's an abortion clinic that's all it is uh where he is practicing medicine with untrained medical staff uh it is dirty it's filthy there are rodents running around the floor there are um there's there are cats there that have litter boxes out in the open in the bathroom uh and there are fish tanks with turtles a couple of them i think throughout the clinic giant yeah. turtles pretty big yeah. turtles i mean it was it, like like a little swamp it was it was so it, yes it, it was it was disgusting and he uh, his practice was practicing late term abortions uh, up to and then beyond the legal limit. Uh, but 
beyond what he did, uh, but beyond just doing the practice, which was illegal, it was the way in which he did it. Uh, his patients were uh, exposed to poor uh, medical treatment. Sonia mentioned one patient died from an overdose of anesthetic, which I believe was prescribed by someone who didn't have any formal medical education whatsoever, let alone a nurse anesthetist or an anesthesiologist. Many patients went to see him, and uh, they he reused medical tools without properly cleaning them in an autoclave, and that led to uh, the transmission of trichomoniasis, which is um, a uh, STD, a sexually transmitted fungus, uh, and then that's just the tip of it because then you get into the physical trauma suffered by the patients and the fetuses during the process of abortion. Well, let's go through, let's go through a couple of other things. Let's, I, I want to add to your list. Um, so we had this unclean, unsanitary building with dilapidated furniture uh, it said that, the, again, you, you mentioned the cats, uh, cat feces and cat urine everywhere. Um, there was blood on the floor that hadn't been cleaned mm. up. There were um, semi-conscious women yeah. uh, who were sitting in recliners um, covered in blood-stained blankets. Um, all of the, the women who were, or were there, if there were no nurses and there were no, um, you know, educated medical staff, then all of, all of these, all of the support and that Dr. Gosnell was receiving while he was there. And when he wasn't there, these other folks were doing it. They, they didn't have any education. No. I mean, God knows what no. could have happened. Um, again, you know, just really, really bad conditions. And Dr. Gosnell was not there some of the time. And he expected that the, the work would still be done without him. Um, he said, it said that the medications and the inventory were expired. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Brittany, you mentioned the procedure rooms were unsanitary. Instruments weren't sanit- uh, weren't sanitized between patients. Equipment was rusty, um, and broken. Uh, oxygen equipment covered in dust. Of course, nothing had been inspected. Um, one thing that really threw me, you know, threw me for a loop here was oxygen equipment was covered with dust and had not been inspected. The same corroded suction tube being used for abortions was the only tubing available for oil oral airways if assistance for breathing was oh, needed. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Now here's where fair warning: it gets really bad. Um, in addition to all of this. They um, found fetal remains, which were haphazardly stored um, in pretty much anything they could find to store it. So apparently you can keep remains um, up to a 20, up to 24 weeks, um, uh, I suppose. Is that the case? Like, mm. why would you store the fetal remains? Is that True. I don't know why you uh, maybe is there something you need to do with them or don't you need to get rid of them quickly? The uh, to be perfectly honest, the only thing that I could think about that would be viable for them, and I would think that this would you know this could only be done in a medical scientific setting, would be for stem cells. 
but that's certainly not something that Dr. Gosnell is doing. Not even close. So I don't, you know what? I don't know the rules around what, I mean, I, well, I, I actually don't know the rules around what you do with any kind of. There's, you know, there's a waste protocol, even a, disposal. Hu- a human disposal waste protocol that I don't, I mean, keeping them for 24 weeks doesn't sound logical. I don't, no. I, I can't imagine that being true. You know what it says? You know what it says? It says, um, it, I'm, I'm reading it wrong. Gosnell admitted to Dr. Wood that at least 10 to 20% were probably older than 24 yes, weeks. Yes, not the Not the actual exactly. remains, but the, the babies. babies. Which are okay, essentially at 24 weeks, uh, that's when they're considered to be potentially viable for life outside of the womb. Yes. Got it. So fetal remains were were kept haphazardly. Uh, they were, here's what it says. They were stored in bags, milk jugs, Orange juice cartons and even cat food oh, containers, my God. and they were just stuck up on the shelf. And, and we see this in the documentary, and this made me this yeah. made me sick to my stomach. I I watch a lot. I um I have firsthand experience seeing living through that. It doesn't bother me. Not not babies, but gore, medical procedures. Uh, medicine, a lot of bad stuff. None of that bothers me. This made me sick to my stomach and and made me physically feel ill and uh, gave me visceral reactions because of how how disturbing it was. Uh, I, I think it's also it's important to discuss a common method that he used. Uh, which is the super coil method, which is controversial to say the least, method of abortion that's used in second trimester and beyond that was developed shortly after Roe versus Wade was uh, determined, I guess is the right term, uh, in the Supreme Court. And Dr. Gosnell started using this in uh, 1974. Roe versus Wade was in 1973, and it was a, a... tool for abortion that was developed by Dr. Harvey Carmen uh, and it this coil essentially is inserted into the uterus uh, to break apart the fetus and remove the fetal tissue for I think that's the most politically correct way i can phrase it's that. A, it's essentially an iud after the fact that's exactly what an iud it does it disrupts the uterine layer and doesn't allow any eggs to get implanted but this is that 20 weeks so we're talking effectively about the same well he that was per, yes exactly so to your yes of course that that's what i meant after the fact but i don't think he used this that method very long um i think they tried it on like 15 people and nine of the 15 had complications so the way that he was performing his abortions was he was just using your typical whatever it's like a long skinny stick that has a hole in the end and it pretty much like a suction things out yeah um as well as giving some medications that would you know um force labor and yeah, then sometimes right. i mean that's back to this i think we should talk a minute about the treatment of the women but i also want to remind Brittany a couple of things the two most horrific things that i saw in the documentary that just were terrifying to me was i saw a again 
the Dr. Gosnell and his staff, for some reason, were compelled to keep mm-hmm. the fetal yes. remains. Some of them they would put in jars and put them on the shelf. Uh-huh. And um, there were little baby feet in on the shelf. And one of these poor women in this documentary um, was told that they found her baby's yep. feet on right. the shelf which is so freaking horrible this poor girl man she like she was trying to do the right thing and trying so hard and you know you got to remember it, it's very difficult to come out and to speak about these kinds of things if you're a victim because who's going to believe you and then what do you have to do to talk about it like you have to go on the stand you're a witness like you you just want to put this uh-huh. behind you you know so i commend these women in this documentary who are willing to talk about it you know god bless them to let people know you know there are other options out there uh to your point about you know, some women were essentially induced into labor and had to give birth. I I'll, I think we're both going to talk about in a, a minute uh, what then would happen. But there was one subject that, to me, so I watched I watched this documentary one time earlier this week, and then before we started recording, I couldn't bring myself to sit down and fully watch it. But I had it playing as I was kind of getting ready and preparing for us to sit down to record this just because I wanted somewhat of a refresher, but I couldn't bring myself to deal with the whole thing of it. And there was one woman who essentially went to see Dr. Gosnell. And the way I interpreted what she said is she got there. She essentially said, I can't go through with this. I can't deal with this. And then she he kind of mocked her which was a common practice for him. He mocked his patients. And then she... He was mean he was to very them. Mean. He was mean he, he was to very them. Mean. That's what's... And then he... That's where I'm disconnected on this, like, fancy language I agree. that he uses. And this, you know, his audio of holier than thou. I'm like, no, guys, you, you were a dick, man. Well, yeah. You, like, weren't there for these women. Don't pretend like you were doing them Not a favor. Not at all. You know, you weren't helping them Not at, at all. all. You were satisfying some other need. It's so but weird. This, it's like a different this person. This one woman, though... He was mocking her, then she was sedated, and then she woke up and she was essentially told, it's done, it's taken care of. So she was yeah. she was having second thoughts. She was having doubts and wasn't sure she wanted to go through with it, and then was essentially forcibly sedated and had the abortion without her consent. Well, he charged a lot of money for this, too. Like, I mean, you know, $1,000 to $1,300 for late-stage abortions, you know. I mean, he, he's the only guy who's doing it, right? He's the only one you know, doing Nobody's this. willing to take the chance. And the the older the, the baby was, unfortunately, the the more likely mm-hmm. that nobody else would do it. So they were all looking to him. I and mean, he... Ugh, I can't hate this guy no. anymore. But let's talk. Let's just go through the list of the of the okay. different things because I think we have a little more to unpack here, and then we'll we'll let it go so people can watch it. Because I I I'm not sure how much I can talk about it without getting too. Ugh. Okay, go for it. All right. So we talked about um, you know the extreme unsanitary conditions. We talked about the malpractice um, because evidently he perforated bodily yep. organs on uh, more than one occasion leading he perforated a colon and as well as the uterus um, right yep and uh one woman re- was uh, required to have a hysterectomy oh uh-huh. god uh he used improper equipment and he had improper people using qu- equipment um he was largely absent from the facility so other people were were doing his work even when they said they didn't want to he would force them to now i don't know i don't know i'm not sure what that means if some if i, I was there working and somebody asked me to do something like that i'd be like I no agree. but i can't imagine the situation that these something. people were in that they felt like they had to 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Good question. Um, He operated this, you know, the prescription drug thing on the side, which was crazy. I mean, the uptick, I think it went from like 708 prescriptions for oxycotton Mm -hmm. or whatever, Mm -hmm. what, to like 2,300 in one month. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a lot. I know. He hired a nurse when he did fall under the scrutiny of some some inspection. um, He, because he didn't have a nurse working for him, he hired a nurse for a couple of days to say that she worked there all the time so that he could pass the Mm -hmm. inspection. Of course, she didn't know when she found out she bailed. And then he. Then he, then, then he held her money and wouldn't pay her. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, what a yeah. jerk. Well, yeah. honestly, big deal compared to everything else as far as I'm concerned. But still, yeah. jerk. Yep. Fraudulent record keeping. So he was saying that the babies were um, younger than they were so that they would fall into the different right. categories. Um, he may, of course, he lied to the investigators about the woman who he killed, the, the, the person who essentially overdosed on... Um, God, I don't remember what she overdosed on, but she, they wouldn't, they wouldn't call for help when that went down. No. And then when the EMTs got there, they wouldn't tell them what really happened. So they didn't I know mean, that honestly, what she overdosed on. I mean, honestly, it was probably, Demerol. Was Demerol? Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Demerol, which is cheap, you know, but effective, right? Sure. So, uh, what else? What else happened well, here? Uh, patients giving, uh, labor inducing drugs during the day and then left waiting and then, um, sometimes they, oh, this is the part that freaked me out. Um, they would be given these labor inducing drugs, then they would go into labor and they would, the nurses or whoever, the non-nurses would sit them on a toilet. The baby would come out in the toilet and then they'd pick the baby up out of the toilet so that it wouldn't clog the drain. Oh, I know. Can you, can, I, I, how does this happen? How do, I don't know how this happens. Well, how desperate do you, we have to be in the world where we have to do things like uh, this? And the poor woman who it was happening, I mean, you know, once you go down a road when you're starting, when you're, I mean, they gave her something, that, you know, just awful. Um, that to me was like over the top. And then Brittany, um, not like I'm, I'm not really doing you a favor here, but do you want to talk about the snipping yeah. thing? Um, so to me, the part that was, you're right, you're not doing me a favor. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, but the the most out of all of this out of all of this the most disgusting despicable hateful thing that he did is that there were when fetuses were born alive when they induced labor and they came out alive and viable he made a small incision while the fetuses were conscious in the back of their neck and snip their spinal cord. I, I I have a hard time even just talking about that. How how terrible that is. It's terrible. And, and this. Yeah. I don't know the exact number that he did that to, but there were forty seven total fetuses recovered. Forty seven. So yeah. So whether or not he, there was a number. So whether of or them. not he did that to all forty seven. Or there were 47 at the very least that were full intact late term that he induced labor into that had the chance to survive. And then, as you mentioned, there were jars with just other body parts, particularly several jars with feet on shelves throughout the clinic. 
I don't know what would compel someone to save little baby I don't, feet. I don't know. Um, I want to go back a minute because the snipping thing, it's bigger than that. Um, you know, it, let's not confuse people. It's not, that process didn't happen quickly. Um, it's said that sometimes the babies would be left out and they'd be laying there moving and yeah. making noise for about 20 oh. minutes before they did this. Like, you're not talking about something that's, I mean, they, they, they suffered. They suffered. Out of the womb, they suffered. Yes. I mean, just and they just could have awful. been treated, and they and could have, but the, they could have survived. Oh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, now, granted, I don't know what you do if you're an abortion doctor and that happens. Like, do you, I don't know. Is it past the point of no return? I, don't, I have no I don't idea. Know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what happens with those drugs and things like that. But certainly, if it happened once, you would try to avoid it at all cost. And of course, this is much bigger than the 40 whatever babies or fetuses they found when when they went in because that was just what they had at that time just what they had had reserved right hundreds yes. and hundreds and hundreds of right. cases you know just that's just what that's they had what on they hand. found right you know yeah remember yeah. this was so this guy had been practicing for many this guy years started practicing i think in 1974 75 and he was found out in 2011 yeah oh my god um all right so I, you know, I don't have a lot the, left to say about this. I, um, I think the I think the <laughs> other important thing to talk about are the policies and lack thereof that the state did or did not have that could have prevented him from practicing and continuing his actions for as long as he did. Uh, the um, because abortion is such a hot button topic wherever you go uh i i got the impression from this documentary that it was one of those things that you don't talk about a whole lot uh in in pennsylvania um it's not something that they want to address some people consider it as um you know it's a way of life we know it happens some people may disagree with it uh a lot of clinics have to be evaluated annually. And uh, Dr. Gosnell's clinic was originally, I think, evaluated for cleanliness and uh, you know, being up to code in 1978-79. Uh, and it was only for, he was essentially approved for one year. Wasn't evaluated again for another 10 years. And then I think he was evaluated two years in a row and then not again for another three or four years and then not again for like another seven or eight years. So it was supposed to be an annual review that he didn't go through. And, and there were multiple reports against him, but because the state had, a, you know, almost like a don't ask, don't tell policy on abortion clinics, very little happened. And there were multiple attempts in the state legislature to try and address some of these concerns, but because it was fearful that it would limit access to abortion providers, uh, many of those did not make it through into law. And um, I, I just thought it was very disturbing that there were a lot of opportunities for him to be identified that were, that were missed. Uh, the the number of women and the number of of babies that were harmed because of him, I think, could have been limited, but due to the inaction of the state, this was allowed to go on for almost forty years. 
Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, it's <sighs> horrible. But what's really confusing and interesting about it, which really, you know, the reason I watched the documentary in the first place is because you had a person like Dr. Gosnell who was appeared to be an upstanding citizen who was looking out for the greater yes. good and, and, the, and certainly the, the vulnerable, right? People who needed his help desperately and who it appeared that he was willing to help. And then it turned into this sordid, you know, after hours prescription drug kind of uh -huh. place where you, by the way, did abortions right. um, for whoever needed them because you needed cash. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't understand how we get there. I don't know we, how we go from an upstanding citizen who seems to be, um, you know, sympathetic to the needs of, of the, the poor to a person who would take advantage of them and put them in harm's way as well as their children. I, I don't understand. I, at, when you listen to the audio in the documentary, if I wouldn't have heard the audio, I, it would have probably been a lot less interesting. That's probably true. But when I cannot, I can't connect his audio. I can't connect him talking about it to what he did. It's almost like he's talking about another person. It's so it's weird. It's super weird. I, I, I agree. And, you know, he's a guy that says that he's, and by all accounts, a very religious man. He, uh, you know, he reads the Bible. He goes to church or, or went to church before he was in prison. Uh, he really believed at least he says that he was doing this because it was the right thing to do. How could be treating someone or not treating them correctly be the right thing I to agree. do? And how could how could bullying someone and how could, you know, making people feel like they don't have an option? I, I completely disagree with I do that. Too. But his message his message message sounds accurate and sound when he's saying it but what he's not saying you know it the context is just uh, not right. right it's just so weird so um i'm glad we got through that episode Brittany. i'm sorry that i i asked you to watch it but well, i thought that it would be it's compelling. not entirely your fault and so to paint a picture on how we decided on this one you i think you texted me and said have you heard of this guy and i said i hadn't and then you said something about, like, there's a documentary, but I don't think I can talk about it. And I said, too bad we're talking about it before I had even seen it. And so mm -hmm. I actually, I have to take some ownership on this because you introduced me to it, but I'm the one that talks you into actually doing it. It, you know, it, it was a good challenge, yeah, but sure. you know, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever I, watch, watch no. that again. I just feel terrible for all those women out there. And, you know, just to say to people who feel like they don't have a choice and, you know, they've, they've got to make hard choices. You know, I, I think that there are probably options for you out there and you should look into them and, and hopefully there are good services within the communities that would, would provide that information that could be readily available across the board. I mean, from hotlines to suicide hotlines, all there are lots of different, I'm not talking about necessarily abortion, but just, you know, the hope is, is that communities, communities would be supporting people who are in need of their help. I agree. Um, in, in a, in a show that is as, disturbing as that one was the the thing that th there's a, a lasting image at the end i'm using image figuratively uh that essentially goes to show that dr gosnell is not the only person operating this way there are he's one of possibly many and shortly after he was found out 
not far, maybe Connecticut, there was another clinic that was found to be operating in very similar circumstances. So, uh, are you serious? Yeah. yeah, you don't remember that? You mean like with that unsanitary stuff yep. and what the? Yeah. F- what is wrong yes. with people? Like it's the easiest thing to be clean, well, isn't it? You would think, but it, so so I wasn't going to call it out, but so essentially at the very end, they speak with uh, two women who work for Planned Parenthood. Um, and, and one of the women says, like, I am as, essentially she says, like, I'm as pro-choice as they come. I absolutely believe in a woman's right. But she worked for this Planned Parenthood clinic that essentially was operating in the same way. And she was like, it's, this isn't unique to Dr. Gosnell. And this is not meant as, you know, a way to defame Planned Parenthood in any way. Uh, but it's just, it goes to show I hope it's not, God, I hope it's it's not a regular occurrence, but unfortunately, I don't think he's the only one, and that's really scary. And yeah. and I have, you know, and, and to be on the other side, I think a lot of that possibly could speak to uh, the limits of access that you're seeing in a lot of states right now, too, that people are being forced to turn to these less than desirable circumstances because they don't have other choices. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. All right. Well, we will end it on that note. I'm sorry, guys. Um, but compelling content. So go take a look. 3801 Lancaster American Tragedy on Amazon Prime. All right. Thanks, Scarlettos. Um, check us out on social media. Subscribe. Check out everyone else on in the Pod All the Time podcast network. And I want to give a little shout out to a friend I made recently who um, I think is great. Uh, give a shout out to Music City 911. You guys should take a listen to their podcast. They're, uh, they're really good. They're doing some good stuff. And I, I thoroughly enjoy Brandon Hall's voice. So uh, take a listen if you want to hear some good old Southern, uh, um, you know, lower octave uh, range in, in a voice. They, they do a good job. Kind of like this idea, giving a shout out to uh, some of our other independent podcasters um there's a lot of us out there so i like that you did that they're good i like them you introduced me to it yeah awesome all right keep killing it scarlettos we are the ladies of scarlet hey y'all i'm brandon hall i'm one of the hosts of music city 911 a podcast about the good the bad and the dark side of 911 dispatching. Me and my co hosts are 911 dispatchers with over 60 years of experience. Join us as we play 911 calls and discuss them. Oh, did I mention that we get dark? 911, what's your emergency? I just shot everybody right now. You just shot everybody? How many people did you shoot? Uh, three. Oh, shot fire! Oh, shot fire! Oh. There's gunshots. 453, I have a party shot here. I need rescue hot. We got multiple casualties. This is a mass casualty situation here. My brother's attacking my family. They shot my husband. And they shot my daughter. And they shot me. Stop it! You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Music City 911. And we're downloadable on every podcast platform.